0: Hi everyone, I'm super excited to share the second episode of my podcast. Although I had a few technical glitches, this is still a great conversation. This time, my guest is Patrick Mahoney. He's a really interesting person and he and I have a bunch of overlapping interests, which I found made this conversation pretty interesting. He's an entrepreneur, having started his own CBD company because of causes very personal to himself, which he was more than willing to share. He's also a student of chiropractics which is really interesting because I did some marketing consulting for a chiropractor close to my home. And he and I also have a bunch of other overlapping interests which we get into. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, and please forgive any of those technical glitches I mentioned. There we go. Hey, what's up? How are we doing? Good. So I thought you would be an awesome person to have on and chat with. Obviously, because you seem like a cool dude. We met for all of five minutes the other... (laughs) the other week and um, but I've learned more about you from your social and also through Maeve um, and you just seem like we have like lots of common interests you're on the carnivore diet you're into like alternative medicines um, you you're into chiropractics which is something that I was working with a chiropractor for my like side hustle and everything so there's like a lot of things that we have overlap like in terms of our uh, Venn diagrams of interests definitely there's a lot to talk about and i think i'd love to you know chat with you so yeah
1: for sure man i definitely agree with that i think we definitely have a, a
0: couple of things to chat about so yeah glad we glad we uh were able to get together yeah i mean the, the first and the, the thing that i learned or met you from was a uh, whole plant medicine and i got a a bottle of this stuff from mave and she was kind enough to let me try it and it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I definitely noticed my recovery was a lot better. My sleep was a lot better on CBD. Um, but it's not like it's, you know, other, uh, psychoactive, um, elements of like the hemp plant. Sorry, my camera's going to jump in and out. Uh, it's, I think something wrong with the software. Um, but I'm still no here. Worries.
1: No worries. But, um,
0: <laughs> so you could tell me about whole plant medicine. Like is, uh, I know we talked about it earlier, but like what got you to start it? Um, what inspired this versus, you know, any other endeavor, you know, anybody could start a side hustle nowadays, but why, why CBD?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I love to hear that you're having some success with it as far as, you know, recovery and things of this nature. I mean, it's uh, it is really great to see all the benefits that it can have. And I mean, we could talk more about that, but just as far as getting started and everything. Pretty much, I was just taking a gap year after uh, after my undergraduate college. I was planning on going to med school, and my mom got diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so I was kind of like, "All right, you know, I've been kind of in the cannabis world for a little while. That's definitely something that we need to pursue." And so, you know, just with the with the medical profile and everything in. New Jersey, it was kind of tough because we literally went there. They're like, uh, here's an eighth of like nugs. And like, you know, I I don't know, have you ever rolled the joint before? And I'm like, dude, it's my mom. She has lung cancer. Like you're telling her roll a joint, like you don't have like oils or pills or, or anything. And they're just like, yeah, we don't do that. So I kind of got started in the whole, you know, hemp cannabis world, just with pure cannabis and just making all of my own extracts in my house, in my garage for my mom, you know, I was getting all different types of strains, you know, for different things, whether it was anxiety or nausea or sleep. And, you know, we had a couple of different strains working and I would just make them at different strengths and, you know, give her, you know, a milligram or two during the day and, you know, 10 or 20 milligrams at night, you know, all these different types of things. And, uh, you know, that was great for her. She did really well. And then, as we were, you know, exploring CBD uh, THC, we realized, you know, during the day, uh, CBD was really what we needed to get after. And we heard a lot of people talking about it, so we ordered all, all, you know, we probably ordered ten or fifteen different products. You know, spent, you know, a couple, couple hundred bucks on the internet, and it was really just no dice. You know, it was like. Well, you know, what my mom's taking, she's still taking the same amount. You know, it's like, you know, maybe she had some kind of, maybe she felt better or something, but all the measures that you could say of like how much pain medication is she taking, et cetera, et cetera, wasn't changing. So uh, I was just like, well, this is kind of what can you do? And then just one day we were just sitting around talking and it was like, well, you take the raw buds and you make all this. Homemade herbal oil for mom for the THC oils. Why don't we just do the same thing for the CBD for the hemp? So I pretty much just bought a whole heck of a lot of organic hemp and just started making my own oils for that too. And I mean, it was an absolute world of difference. You know that homemade uh, that herbal extract of just doing it right in alcohol. Anyone could do it at home. You know you can there's a couple of different variations if you want to filter it, if you want to do it at different temperatures. But you know, we were doing that. And within a month, my mom's just off of opioids, you know, and she was going strong with that for over a year, you know, just pretty much just replacing all of her pain medication, all of her nausea medication, with just just CBD during the day, once she found the CBD, she didn't want to take the THC anytime, but at night, and sometimes she wouldn't even want to take that, you know, she would go for two weeks or a month, uh, tolerance break and the CBD would put her to sleep just fine. And we kind of discovered that's what worked better for us. So, you know, I started taking it, you know, my dad's taking it, we're giving it to family and friends and, and it's just one after another, you know, it does this for this person and that for that person. And then eventually we were like, look, we got to get this out to the world, you know, like it's, you know, cause everybody's heard of CBD, but everybody's picking up some powder at Walgreens that was made in some factory and is just, right. you know, from, you know, from a Chinese medicine point of view, you've lost the essence of the plant, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you can go into the science and everything else. It's not like that easy to really delineate, but there's a clear difference in efficacy when you keep it, how nature had it, you keep it in that natural plant extract. And that's kind of what I said, I got to bring this to the world. So that was kind of, you know, when I went about making the company and getting an actual supply chain and everything else like this.
0: Okay. So you, you, basically, you were starting from a need and then you filled that need, but then you realized that, Hey, I've already got a lot of the groundwork in place to, um, to supply it. So let's just, you know, scale that. Right. Yep. That's that's really awesome. I mean, that's how most side hustles start, right? Um, and it's really cool that like, it's an actual product. Cause I, I started a supplement company in college. Uh, it was for the nootropic side of things. I don't know if you've heard of nootropics. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So if you have, that's another concentric circle or a spot that we, we lie over, but like, um, we started that and it went well. Um, but then just, you know, real life hit and I realized that I was, I wasn't going to make, uh, make it big on nootropics cause it's a highly competitive market and um,
1: alpha brain got you out
0: <laughs> yeah our, our good friend joe rogan uh, he's a little bit bigger than us right yeah. um but so I, I i tried um to like look into why like you can go onto amazon and you can see hemp 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 hemp, hemp all the way down and then i was like well i don't want to go to somebody's website necessarily like, we all trust amazon right we trust amazon to buy shoes to buy you know clothing to buy even food through um whole foods but like why can't i as a as a customer purchase like actual cbd and it's all of this hemp stuff on amazon is, is that something like with legality
1: yeah so i mean that's kind of where we're at right now i mean 2018 farm bill that's what made things a bit of a boondoggle for the cbd industry specifically but uh what kind of has happened is that independent companies still don't don't jive with it, you know, like, and a lot of times that streams back to banking, you know, like, uh, banking and credit card processing has been a real pain for me just because, um, essentially what happened was the farm bill made everything legal, but it didn't, I mean, it more so made it not illegal because the wording of the bill was made by, you know, politicians, which, you know, I was grateful (laughs) that they did that, but it it left a lot up to chance, you know? And so a lot of people were, you know, when you see these isolates, that's generally what you're going to see in like a Walgreens or something like that. And and even most health food stores, you know, gas stations, most, you know, vast majority of the CBD you're going to see is going to be some kind of an isolate or highly processed product. And that's because that is something that's going to be a lot more uh, legally safe. You know, like there's going to be no representation of that bill that would make that illegal. So if you're getting your trust fund buddies together and you're planting, you know, $20 million into this or something like that, you don't want a year to go by and then, you know, well, we really meant this, you know, and and you're kind of uh, out of luck. So, you know, not that you know, my product is completely legal, but it's also, you know, it it just wasn't the most specific bill and most banks and things like this, they just, they want the most clear cut thing in the world. They want no anything. So until that happens, it's, you know, it's pretty hard. So then when you extrapolate that out to different huge vendors. You know, if I have problems getting my money to a bank or getting credit card processing, somebody who's going to be doing massive amounts of business like Amazon isn't going to want to put their reputation on the line. You know, maybe they have some moral things against uh, cannabis or hemp, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of things that would make them not want to do it. And so basically they have a policy against it. So if you go onto Amazon and you search hemp, there's lots of hemp products, but they're usually hemp seed products products. So it'd be the same as like olive oil, it's hemp seed. And so there's no CBD, there's no anything other than like omegas and minerals in the seeds, which are great. You know, they, they make great oils, you know, you can cold press them, use them uh, on your skin or, you know, maybe in a smoothie or something like that. Uh, But it's a completely different animal than a CBD or like the hemp extract that you'd be looking for, for some kind of medicinal value.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I bought, um, a bottle of the, one of those hemp products and it obviously I, I noticed nothing from it. I took it for a few days and for the $15 or whatever I spent on Amazon, it's the prime product. It had good reviews and the review suggested like pain relief and whatever. But, um, I don't think I saw anything from it, uh, as compared to like the actual CBD that you, uh, had given me, um, and it just, it, it, I definitely noticed a difference. I mean, it was, it felt like taking, you know, some of those uh, re- poorly recommended products, like in, in, I don't know, you go to the gym, right. And you take um, a non non-stimulant pre-workout. You don't really notice much. You take a stimulant yeah. pre-workout, you notice something.
1: And yeah, so, for sure. That
0: that's what I w- thought it was in my mind. But now hearing that you're saying, this is not, it's, it's, there's nothing functional other than, positive health effects like uh, omegas and stuff like that out of those hemp products?
1: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, at the end of the day, I I don't know exactly really right today what's happening, but I do know that over the course of time, it's been kind of a bit of a cat and mouse game with just, you know, what you say on the products and the marketing and what they allow. And so there very well might be some that have CBD, but, you know, you're not going to be getting the level of transparency that you would through an end company independent company that's got you know lab results and test the hemp and all these different things to be really upfront with you what you're getting and why it's different and uh you know why it doesn't have heavy metals or whatever because we can actually show the testing results and all of these things
0: okay so you have that stuff on your website i didn't explore too deep into your website but i so you, you have like lab results that if somebody wanted to pull up they could see A a gross generalization, obviously, you don't run a lab test for every single sample, right? And that, or every production run and upload it.
1: I'm assuming. Yeah. So we've got batch numbers, which is pretty much just like when we do a run from hemp all the way to the final product, uh, you know, that one batch is going to have a couple of samples taken out throughout. And uh, we're going to get those tested both the hemp and the any oil, uh, like the crude oil that comes out of it, and then the final product. Uh, and so that's just going to ensure that nothing, nothing crazy is happening. I mean, you know, we don't put anything in that we need to get out per se. You know, a lot of companies will put different, uh, solvents in and different things for the extraction that
0: they're going to be trying to get out. And like butane, I think is one of the solvents that people use for T- on the THC side of things. Yeah. I'm sure there's others that don't sound too good for your health.
1: Yeah. I mean, even people that are doing alcohol extractions like me, you know, they might buy alcohol that's, that has N-heptane in it to be able to get around the, uh, the taxes of consumable liquor. And they're just like, well, we'll take it out. But it's like, you know, I don't know, I've been in an organic chemistry lab, you know, it's like, how much are you really getting out? You know, so the FDA might say, well, you know, X parts per billion is safe but it's just like, well, these are toxic chemicals. You know, it's like, what? Well, who says that's safe and why, you know, like I would be much more comfortable with nothing in there. So, right. you know, it's like, who's making these arbitrary numbers that means it's safe and how much are you taking and et cetera. It's just, we, we, we don't put any of that stuff in there. So we're mainly testing for, you know, cannabinoid content and then things that could come from the soil. Like, um, You know heavy metals and things of this nature if it was grown in a bad soil
0: sure yeah so you've actually gone out to the fields and stuff where the hemp is grown yeah it is so i've heard that hemp is a really cool kind of alien plant um i don't know if you've you've heard something similar is like it's super light like bamboo but like strong have you actually like noticed those things or am i just making up you know nonsense no, it's a
1: great, it's a, it's a super cool plant. I mean, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it's very hard to work with, you know, it's, it's oily and it's, it's fibrous and it's, it's strong, but it's light, you know, like you could carry a whole big batch of it, but you know, just cutting that stalk is like, you're, you're, you know, you, you better have something good to cut it with, you know, cause it's, you're definitely not, it's definitely not like a tree that you could just like break over your, 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 uh, thigh or something like that. I mean, it's like, it's just strong stuff. Um, you really do need to cut it just because of how fibrous and how dense uh, it is. So that's why, I mean, that that's kind of one of the things that actually got the whole US into this mess is that kind of the paper industry and stuff like that had a bit of a vendetta against hemp because of how good it is for industrial purposes. Um, you know, as far as uh, the amount of pulp produced by hemp on a hundred acres versus trees of a hundred acres is like, I mean, I don't know the numbers. I'm not a, you know, uh, somebody who does that, but it, it's astronomically higher and more cost effective and better for the environment, et cetera. So, I mean, it's a great fiber for everything from ropes to paper to clothes.
0: Okay. So I, I was just pulling, um, pulling it up. Apparently there's been conversation the last few days of the, a bill going to the the house the um the, the the federal congress um to to legalize um marijuana in the u.s yeah and so obviously with we know how the congress is broken down right now it's likely that that'll pass um so will that have good downstream effects for you like i mean i, I saw on instagram I've seen since probably my Google searches and everything, all that creepiness, they've been pushing ads towards me that are all like CBD and stuff like that. But it requires a, a kind of a keen eye to see that it is CBD because one of them was like um, like Recover X. And then on the bottle, the, per, the clearly, I mean, I, I know product design, I, I do product management, where it would have said CBD, the person's thumb was on it so that the the picture itself was like implied CBD the copy implied you know health benefits and recover faster sleep better all those things but it didn't like directly say CBD and that was on Instagram so
1: yeah do you think so, that there's
0: gonna be downstream positive effects
1: so right now with Instagram and in most most marketing companies you know Facebook whatever they're very similar to Amazon in the way that they're being very careful um you know, you can either kind of just leave it out or you can. They seem to be pretty tolerable for topical solutions. Um, you know, if you're just saying, oh, it's just, you know, to rub on a sore spot on your skin, um, they don't really, if you're being very forthright with uh, CBD and then you're saying you're taking it internally for health uh, benefits, they don't like that. But, you know, okay. there's definitely a large gray area of, you know, what you can do. And so I think that, you know, there's not going to be any direct benefit um, when that bill passes to my company, but I would just say like the hemp industry at large is probably going to benefit a decent amount from something like that being passed just in the way that like, you know, all of these gray areas from banking to credit card processing to advertising, uh, I think that they're all going to see like a little bit of a boost. Just because you know if if banks are all of a sudden taking money from marijuana growers, you know like a CBD company is nothing, a CBD farmer is nothing, you know so it's uh you know as basically the whole cannabis hemp industry opens up, it's going to be better for everyone
0: okay, yeah, I can imagine that it's just you know scale uh, yeah economies of scale um, you mentioned Eastern medicine before. And that goes to one of the things that I know you do, which is the chiropractics. Um, Do you find that there's overlap between like your curiosity with this kind of alternative medicine and your acupuncture and chiropractic schooling that you're undergoing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it jives pretty much perfectly. I mean, chiropractic, I I'm, I'm doing a, I'm in my, I'm finishing up my second year of chiropractic school and I'm also in the acupuncture program at the same time. So hopefully two years from now, I'll be graduating with two degrees there. Um, and it really does jive, um, very well because both, I mean, you know, acupuncture would be a little bit different in just the way they're going to want to talk about, you know, chi and balancing meridians, but it, you know, Essentially, they're both based on the fact of balance your body and your body will do amazing, crazy things to heal you, you know, and it's like, it's not me that's doing it. It's not the needles. It's not the CBD. It's you. And so, you know, you could say plenty of different ways how this happens, but you know, like if CBD is able to, you know, downregulate your nervous system, shift you to a more parasympathetic state, let you actually relax, let your nervous system relax. Uh, you know, did CBD help your gastrointestinal issues? Did it help your, you know, anxiety? In a way, yes, like it was what was able to give it to you. But in reality, it was your body that was doing it, you know, so it's like, you're just putting somebody in a state that's letting them heal themselves, like their body's been wanting to relax their gastrointestinal system for maybe a day or maybe 10 years. But, you know, you, they've finally gotten some stimulus to be able to say, okay, now we can relax. And whether that's a chiropractic adjustment, a needle, or some CBD, you know, it's, it's all kind of going towards the same thing.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know I have been messing around with. I mean, I'm I'm interested in a variety of health things. So like, I started to go to a, my chiropractor for my back. I herniated a disc doing weightlifting, um, and then ended up doing his marketing for a little while on his, on social media and stuff. But um, a lot of the the things he like works on is exactly what you just described. Like he's trying to get you aligned. And then your body will do the healing. Like we're going to ice you and get you to walk. And those seem like common sense things, but it's just so that your body can then function. Like he's like, you're going to feel a little bit better now. You're going to feel a little bit of a, a, an endorphin release from the crack. It feels good. Your brain registers that as a healthy thing. And you're going to feel good immediately because you're now not in misalignment, but then also you're going to see over the course of the next few days, you're going to feel better. And like, same with decompression, you get that nerve when you um, pull the discs apart, that nerve immediately gets some relief, but there's still, you know, the, um, the, what is it? The fluid inside the disc is like acidic. So when it hits the nerve, it causes inflammation and the nerve chemical itself, irritation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, it's been two years to uh, two and a half years since I actually like hurt my disc. Um, but now I feel mostly better and I can like, you know, work out, but um, it's definitely cool that you're like, you got so many like overlapping uh, components, but like when, I don't know if you, have you interacted with chiropractic customers, like people who go to chiropractics for um, like on a frequent basis and ongoing basis for not a, an acute problem.
1: Yeah. Like wellness care type deal. I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely been there. Um, I definitely know a lot of people. I mean, I haven't uh, you know, I haven't shadowed for a super extended time. So I can't say that, like, I know hundreds of people that do wellness care, but I definitely am very familiar with it.
0: Yeah. I, I, have noticed because I go, I was going there about twice a week for personal, um, you know, the decompression and also then another probably two times a week for business conversations. Uh, what do you want to do with marketing? Yada, yada, yada. And, um, I noticed the customers that were there for wellness visits versus acute business visits Sorry, um, were significantly different. The people that were into the more wellness visits were more likely from a personality standpoint, the people that would also try like acupuncture for a wellness perspective. And then um, people who were there for acute problems were m- more likely to be resistant almost to trying some of the less logical approaches so like oh okay so you want me to ice makes sense icing is what people do athletes do that oh you want acupuncture that's very odd so it's funny because there were there were, I being there I heard a lot of customers be like can I try a uh, marijuana can I try this. And I could tell that they were there for some problem that they've been experiencing for a long time. It's not like, Oh, I pinched my nerve in my back the other day. So you're going to, you're going to notice that as you uh, do more with um, in in office stuff, is your intention to pursue, like, I, I know, obviously you're going to school for it, but are you trying to become a chiropractor in an office or have you become a businessman because of the CBD? I'm curious.
1: Uh, I mean, that's one thing that's really cool. Uh, as far as, you know, if I, you know, I was originally looking to go to medical school, um, just, uh, you know, whatever, I'm very science inclined and all these things. But, you know, I kind of, I spent a year and a half getting my mom off of opioids and I realized, you know, I'm, I am I was already interested in, os- I was already only going to go to osteopathic school over uh, regular medical school because osteopathic, teaches you how to work with your hands, you know, so I was already interested in essentially working like a chiropractor. Um, I just, you know, for whatever reason, wanted to go to medical school. And I just realized, you know, I looked and I realized that I'm going to get a better hands on learning at a chiropractic school. And the other one, I'm just going to get a prescription patent. It's like, well, I've spent a year and a half voiding the prescription patent. Right. So, you know, so yeah, as far as chiropractic versus an MD, I mean, you don't see a lot of uh MDs setting up a shingle nowadays. You know, it's it's very much so a medical conglomerate type deal. Um, whereas chiropractic is just not the case. You know, lots of entrepreneurial chiropractic, uh chiropractic doctors, you know, and you can drive down, you know, you drive far enough in most towns, you can find one. Uh, right. you know, who's set up their own shingle. So I think that it meshes really well as far as being a businessman, you know, having a supplement company, maybe having multiple different side hustles and still running a chiropractic office because at the end of the day, uh, I'm just interested in health, you know, like I'm interested in people being healthy, people living their best lives. And, you know, there's many different ways to, uh, to get there and it's going to be different for every type of person.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. I, I know my, my chiropractor, Dr. Gigante, he's, uh, he's got his doctor of chiropractics, but he also is exploring uh, pulse electromagnetic field therapy. And so, I mean, he's invested tens of thousands of dollars in that equipment. He had a, uh, an acupuncturist and he's, you know, he's explored different avenues and it definitely it seems that he likes the chiropractics he got into the chiropractics because he knew he could help people but he's exploring the different avenues by which he can help people in ways that interest him because obviously he could just scale just the straight line chiropractics but i mean he brought in some physical therapists so that they can you know he can scale that so he can help more people um but i mean he's very principled right like He's not going to be the guy that crack, crack, okay, get out of here, um, come back next week. You know, he spends time with patients. Uh, he know, he lo- explained to me that when he learned chiropractics, he was learning from a guy who really wanted to mechanize the process. He really wanted to say, okay, 10 minutes per person, 15 minutes per person, and then you move on to the next patient. Um, and he realized that that just doesn't work. Like people don't operate that way. They don't get healed from, you know, 15 minutes of interaction. Like that's why that's one of the big problems of our medical system is doctors run into your operating room. The nurse took your blood pressure, your height, your weight, whatever. And then they run out and then, you know, you didn't learn anything from the doctor. And I think, I mean, you you sound like a learned person. You're not just reading the textbooks and then walking away, you know, you're more wholesome, right? Yeah.
1: Um, I, I mean, this is uh this is a big problem in, you know, all, all of medicine, you know, it's like, at the end of the day, time is our most valuable resource, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you can give of that, it's very important. And people, people understand that, you know, at the end of the day, um, you you could go down any kind of crazy rabbit hole of alternative health. And, you know, if you bless water, you know, the structure (laughs) looks better and you you could go way down these things, but people don't like to feel like a piece of meat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like spend the time with people and at the end of the day, you know, it goes down to tools in his toolbox. You know, like, uh, you know, a, a lot of problems with straight chiropractic is, you know, they they put all this emphasis on like a coc one, like an upper cervical adjustment. And I but mean, so I've had an
0: occipital subluxation.
1: Yeah, yeah, right there. And <laughs> you know, and it, it's I've had that stuck for a really long time, and then like had it adjusted. It's it's life changing. You know what I mean? It's like if you have that problem and you get that done, like you will be a chiropractic zealot for your whole life. Like there's no way that you can't have that as a positive experience, but the, the thing that's not everybody's problem, you know what I mean? So it's like somebody might have some densification in their back that, you know, no matter how much you crack their neck or crack their low back, you've got to well, get in there with friction and break up the connective tissue.
0: You know what I mean? So it's like back up, back up. What's, what did you say? Dentification? uh, densification,
1: just some kind of density, you know, connective tissue, whatever, whatever it is, you know? So it's just, it's different tools in the toolbox that you got to have for people and, and, you know, figuring out who they are, what kind of tool they need. And then, and then implementing the right thing. I mean, these things take time, you know, not it's, it's a very profitable way to do it. And it's a very simple way to do it is just say, I've got a hammer. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to come see me and you're a nail, uh, you know, I, I charge this much and come through and it's right. going to be 10, 10 minutes. And, you know, but it's, it's just, it's not very realistic because how many people, you know, you take 10 people with low back pain, I and mean, this is the problem with research in low back pain is that you can't find any, you know, solution because 10 people with low back pain have 10 different mechanisms of onset. So it's like, you do a study does this intervention work maybe it works for one person the other nine are like well that wasn't my problem you know so it, saying you got one mode of entry i just do a chiropractic adjustment real quick and then you get out you're not looking at the whole patient what their problem is who they are and they don't feel cared for and you know the problem might not get addressed
0: right have you heard of the the problem with back pain is that a lot of people go in for an acute problem and they'll have, like, three vertebrae that are, are messed up or there's, like, discs that are all um, bulging discs and stuff that they didn't know was a problem and, like, they get an MRI and then because of, you know, like, I, for example, I had my uh, hip done two summers ago, so I had a labrum tear in my hip and Same. then they, they gave me, oh Oh, okay, what was it from? Squatting? Uh, just just general overuse, you know, they said. Okay, but um, they... I knew I hurt my back too. So I came in for a back problem. They, they saw the labrum problem, but it goes in reverse too. Um, the, what I heard was that like a lot of people, I mean, after the age of what is it, 40, have bulging discs and they just live with them and they don't even notice them. So the problem is like what you're just describing is some people might not even have the bulging disc as the cause of their back pain. It could just be, you know, their, uh, their psoas is tight or something like that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm totally not one of those guys who's like surgery doesn't work. You know, I just told you, I got my uh, labrum and my hip all fixed up and I had that it was, you know, I'm glad I did it, but it's like, you know, uh, knee MCL surgeries, depending on the research paper you look at, they're not even statistically correlated with getting the patient out of pain because then you go and you MRI hundred people, 50 of them have an MCL, uh, you know, some kind of imperfection. And it's like, so, <laughs> was that there for 10 years and they didn't notice it. And then they had knee pain and you MRI and it was there and you fixed it, but whatever the real thing was that caused them pain didn't get fixed. You know, it's just, especially when you go to athletic population, I mean, you go to the general population every 10 years that people get older, it's a huge rise in percentage of people that have imperfections in their MRIs, mm-hmm. you know, and at that point it kind of becomes a psychosomatic thing you know, that's why I'm, I'm very, you know, I, if you have an acute trauma that you need to go to the hospital for, that is completely not what I'm talking about. But in general, when I talk to people, they have pain, I say do four to six weeks of conservative care, you know, get do some NSAIDs, do some physical therapy or some chiropractic or some acupuncture, do it yourself, you know, but uh, people, the way people's minds work, you know, if we just go in the next day, we get an MRI, I have three herniated discs, it's like, you know, now I just put a stamp on my forehead, I'm broken, you know, and I need someone to fix me. And it's just like, you know, maybe it is your problem. I know people that have gotten spinal surgery and it was, you know, the godsend form, but it, it's just the surgery. It's not like you can't do the surgery after a month, you know, and, and, it, right. and they even you'll read, you know, orthopedic papers and it's the same thing with chiropractors, it's the same thing with any intervention. I mean there's a certain percentage of people that would have just gotten better after a month you know what i mean like i've heard um god what is his name over at west side barbell um oh uh i
0: know i know who you're talking about west side barbell he came up with the um the, the reverse, reverse hyper, hyper. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so he uh he tells everybody to just do your post louis simmons yeah louis simmons yeah he just tells everybody to do their uh, their post-operative rehab uh and then if that doesn't work just do it do you get the surgery and then do the rehab again you know what i mean because it's It's like just doing some exercises just doing some specific things just working past that hurdle mentally um for a large portion of people is going to help them you know what i mean it's like and there will be, I, I, you know, I'm not a injury denier, you know what I mean? Like there will be yeah. out of 10 people, there'll be a certain amount of people that they'll get to the end of that. And they'll be like, it didn't help. You know what I mean? But well, if, yeah, absolutely. If two or three or four or five, however many people just do some conservative care, they don't need to go under the knife. Uh, I mean, whether we're talking about, you know, your own personal health not being impacted, or we're talking about, uh, you know, healthcare bills and, and, you know, the cost of healthcare in the country at a personal and a societal level, it's a win to everybody.
0: Right? Yeah, I, I'm very conservative with my approach to like medicine, I don't like the whole formality of doctors and, and like, I'm more inclined to go to a chiropractor or go to, you know, my own research on the internet, as danger says that may be, um, but one of the things that I've been exploring because of, uh, you know, Ben Greenfield. Yeah. he's Okay. So he, you might've read his article about BPC 157. Uh, it was like healing like Wolverine was the headline, um, of his blog post. And I ended up buying some online. And for the, the, the example that I go to is I had both my rotator cuffs were severely damaged. I don't know exactly is that, what it is was. Is that a, pep, a peptide? Yeah. It's a peptide. Yeah, okay, so okay. like it, it's getting into those, you know, the less, um, less safe options, let's say versus, you know, okay, let me get some bands and let me, for, let's say the rotator cuff, let me get some bands. Let me do some exercises. Let me do some stretching. Um, but I, I went to my chiropractor, he said, because, you know, for my back and then he, I literally couldn't lift my arms against his resistive test. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, the, the lateral raise test, he presses down on my hands. I, I couldn't do it like with maybe five pounds of pressure and he's like yep you probably damaged your rotator cuffs this is really unfortunate and then i said okay let's just hold off it's been a week of you know can't move my hand from my keyboard to my mouse kind of issue and i tried the bpc 157 literally two weeks later i was back to benching like heavyweight because you know i do powerlifting style and it was wild and it was just because i was willing to you know my risk tolerance is pretty high i don't know Hey. I you know, rock climbing stuff like that you know i we've always been or i've always been tuned to that level of risk you know get towards those bleeding edges of the excitement and uh and thus recovery yeah. i don't know if you do, you do you do any kind of crazy sports uh on yeah topic I've, of I've, rock climbing
1: I've, I've been big into rock climbing since i was a kid i was oh really te- i didn't even yeah. know that
0: okay that's really yeah, funny i was that on I, mentioned a team. That
1: I was on a team in middle school and then college i was kind of just busy being an idiot so i wasn't working <laughs> out too much but i uh instead of just doing my usual like barbell stuff i was i just was a member of like a rock climbing gym i would just go there a couple of times a week to just not get fat you
0: know i got Lots you, fun. you <laughs> mostly bouldering uh bouldering
1: top roping whatever you know i haven't been outside in like years now but it's definitely something i've really enjoyed
0: yeah. I, I was at um, last summer before COVID and all that nonsense. I, my neighbor asked me cause I got his son into rock climbing. He's a few years younger than me. And he said, Hey, could you um, take m- my son to the climbing gym, hang out with him for a few hours, be like a kind of a big older brother. Cause I mean, he's a single dad and all that. And so um, I said, sure. And it was so, so refreshing to go back, you know, like when you, you've been inculcated with a culture, you know, you know, the ins and outs of it. And you're like, I don't know i went back it felt good to climb but i was like all right i've definitely mentally moved on but it's just it's always gonna be part of me i mean i did climbing from when i was 10 to nice. you know to nice. about 20 21 so it was a long window of time doing the same kind of sport you know
1: yeah that's awesome that is uh i i definitely i have nothing but good things to say about rock climbing it's a ton of fun i have i mean as i said it's been a couple of years since i've been outside actually doing real stuff but i mean i always i mean probably whatever. Once or twice a year, I always just go to the gym, just screw around. I mean, it's just, it's just fun climbing around like a monkey. I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes a good first date. It makes a good, like a good form of exercise and it's good. I mean, it's a good community of people. Usually climbers are really chill guys. Like I know Joe Rogan just had on his podcast, uh, a female climber that did, um, she climbed uh, Sasha or something, I think. Oh no, uh, it was Emily. Emily, oh, okay. something. but anyhow so she she did a uh free the the i don't know if you've noticed this with the climbing community is when they get into the mainstream to talk about things they die they <laughs> oh. <laughs> no no but like alex honnold <laughs> like explaining uh like for, sorry uh emily was explaining she free climbed i think it was el capitan or or something like that i think it was el capitan but it was like Oh, so you free climbed. That sounds like you were a climber with no ropes, no assistive devices, anything. You climbed it up. That sounds crazy and scary and dangerous and like at the bleeding edge of what is safe. Oh, well, it actually means something different. And I've always been under the assumption that free climbing meant, you know, without any assistive devices and no ropes or anything. And when it was being explained, I was like, I could see how an outsider who doesn't like know, you know, climbing culture might be like, Wow, so she climbed a two thousand or whatever foot cliff with no ropes. And I was just like, ah, oh, that sounds a little misleading, you know. I wish some of that stuff was explained a little bit better. I don't know I if you've think, noticed that.
1: Yeah, I, I I understand that for sure. But I did. Hanel do it with no
0: ropes. I thought he was. Uh, he def. I thought he yeah, got he into did. the no ropes thing. Yeah. Yeah. He he was the actual no ropes kind of climber. Uh, you know, free soloing. Yeah,
1: yeah, versus yeah. There free we climbing
0: go. which is so oddly similar it sounds like it's designed to be misleading <laughs> like that free climbers want to get that that perception of badassery without actually the risk
1: yeah um, the the what's it called the career how long your career is in free soloing is not terribly long unfortunately once people well, go down that route it's uh it's a little tough
0: yeah, I think you're. You have to be wired differently though to do that. Like I was, I enjoyed some bouldering, some top roping. I did, you know, my, my focus was competitive climbing, like indoor competitive climbing. I wasn't going for like, you know, putting up some crazy numbers out in the crag and like, and all that. But like, I enjoyed the form of exercise, um, and I enjoyed the the competitive element of it. Like knowing, okay, I can see the people that I'm competing against, and it's literally they're doing the same exact thing as me. It's not like, I've never been into team sports personally, never been into like the soccer, basketball, whatever. Uh, and I liked that, okay, we're all challenged by the same thing and we each get a turn at it. And that was just that was just a blast. Um, a while ago, you, or earlier you mentioned um, you, uh, patience being like a piece of meat and I want to connect that to your wild diet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so, uh
0: share please share
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm actually i'm not on a carnivore diet but i have uh i have been i have been on the carnivore diet at different points um i've always been a fan of kind of like paleo keto ways of eating that's something that's been i don't know at least at least 5 years or so i mean i haven't really been into all that stuff i mean i've okay. stayed away from like gluten and processed sugar since high school i mean so that's like you know whatever five ten years um, okay so i've always been very uh into kind of the more keto paleo type nutrition um When I was that young, I kind of was a little bit attracted to the whole vegan type thing, but it just, it made me feel terrible. So I just, I definitely, and I I don't know, I was, I kind of felt what was natural was kind of eating more meat rather than less, just being somebody that was into like backpacking and like watching Survivor Man and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, the berries aren't getting you by bro, but
0: yeah, (laughs) so I totally get that. Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, when I got out of college, I kind of like really, really started going a hundred percent, uh, like keto. And then I was just dealing with a lot of different, uh, intestinal, you know, health issues and stuff like that. I ended up just going full carnivore for quite a Mm -hmm. while, a couple months. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I was a huge fan of how it just like I mean, it is the ultimate elimination diet, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Your it,
0: inflammation it, levels will definitely, you know, drop off and you won't have as many gut issues. I mean, I have Crohn's disease, so I, I know gut issues, um, Yeah, that's um, and back and, uh, but I haven't gotten anything like crazy elimination, uh, other than, you know, not eating for a week when I had uh intestinal surgery, okay. but, um, but I oh, definitely, wow. yeah, I had, you know, two feet of my intestine removed, um. Large i made some youtube videos about it uh it was the right from the bottom of the stomach the, the duodenum yeah. So like right below that out two feet and it was just super inflamed and then once they removed that i've had almost no issues um, for all of what like four years or something like that wow and so like again are going you back able to, that, to tolerate fats with that i can like, tolerate everything because oh, okay. it was below the the duodenum so okay um that's oh, also oh,
1: below the duodenum. I thought you said below right. the stomach. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, the duodenum is right. Yeah, yeah, south yeah. yeah. Of the stomach, stomach. duodenum. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. So it's right south of the duodenum. But um, I'm okay. So maybe I can tolerate fats. But the, what's interesting is like, I've always been able to claim that I can eat a ton of calories and not gain any weight, and I've always been a super skinny, lean person. So maybe I, I see it as a superpower, like being like maybe. All the fat calories I take in are just not being digested. Okay. Perhaps. I don't know. Um, and maybe that's why like when I've tried like a very like keto-oriented diet, it hasn't worked. Um, because I I, I tried uh I tried a keto for like three or four days of like strict, absolutely strict, no carbs. And I had that like steep drop-off of like energy, and then it came back thinking like, oh okay, I got this. Turns out I think I was more in a fasted you know, that fasted high versus a, you know, fat, you know, normalizing my energy levels. So I think, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I want to do a more meat oriented diet only because I think that there's just general benefits. Like you, you posted something the other day um, about like the difference of like greenhouse emissions, I believe it was uh, for, for a meat diet or a, for I think it was grass fed cows versus, you know,
1: Yeah, Um, so factory
0: farmed cows
1: yeah so i'm a big fan of like regenerative agriculture you know like if you you know if you're you know if somebody's telling you your diet's bad for the environment and you're shopping at the supermarket i mean they're right whether you're picking up meat or cereal you know what i mean at the end of the day those supply chains and everything else like they are very carbon intensive uh factory farming of beef very uh carbon emission intensive and You know, I granted like, you know, when I go out to eat and stuff, I don't like fast if they don't have a grass fed burger or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, the food that I, you know, spend my grocery bills on, I try to be pretty stringent with the quality there because I mean, the health issue, the health side of it, you know, I could go into, but as far as the carbon emission side, uh, you know, if an animal is raised on grass, its whole life, uh, a cow is raised on grass, its whole Mm -hmm. life depending on the exact farming practices, it could actually be carbon negative or carbon neutral, just in the way that it interacts with the nitrogen cycle, um, and the carbon cycle, and it stores so much carbon in the soil, you know, so the way that we're going to get away from the degradation of the habitats in this country, and being able to restore the soil health of the middle of our country, so we don't deal with another dust bowl, and you know, runoff and all these things is actually, you know, more cows just raised in a correct way because right. as, as it sits, you know, there's less cows on grass right now than there were bison on grass when we got to this continent. Oh, I, so didn't, like, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, that it's, you know, ruminant animals are not, you know, if we murdered them all, you know, it wouldn't solve the environment issue. You know, if we just put an end to cows, you know, and it's like, Alan Savory talks about this, about how the logical end to that is killing all the elephants, killing all the moose because they're, you know, they're polluting the environment. But if you put it in perspective that these animals are part of the carbon cycle, they're part of the nitrogen cycle. And if you just test how much, you know, nitrogen or how much carbon is coming out of their burps and their farts and saying, "Wow, we can't, we can't do this it's not really accurate because if you compare that to how much carbon they're storing in the soil that goes through the whole life cycle, it actually more than evens out. And it's just making sure that you're raising them properly and mimicking them with, you know, regenerative agriculture, permaculture, things like this.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I remember there was something I read about how if we brought back the woolly mammoth and you know created a nature reserve up in um the siberian uh stratus up in what is that russia right yeah um that they could drastically change the the environment up there and turn it from a permafrost uh like break down the permafrost soil pack it down and allow seeds to grow and it would actually you know reforest the area because they're moving nutrients around and how you know I thought this wild idea, imagine, I don't know if you're into hunting, I've kind of been interested in it, not in a actually, you know, exploring it myself, but um, i don't know, appreciating the passion that people have towards hunting. Cause you know, you're getting a decent amount of meat off of the death of one animal versus, you know, killing a dozen different cows in order to get your burgers for the week. Um, but the idea of, you know, in the same way we have, you know, um, elephant hunts for allowing the, the money paid by the hunter to, you know, save dozens of elephants. Imagine doing the same with woolly mammoths. Imagine having like, you know, the ultimate trophy hunt um, for an extinct, a previously extinct animal. And then that could save, you know, you spent a hundred thousand dollars as a hunter, you know, you're a mega million hunter. And all of a sudden now you're able to save, you know, maybe a whole nother species with just that one hunt. And I thought that was a wild idea, but I, I don't think anybody's actually pursuing it. No, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from, you know, and it's
1: just, uh, I would say just, you know, as far as North America goes, I mean, when we're talking about cows, bison, elk, I mean that's really all we need you know like it's it's ruminant animals and it's just making sure that they're mimicking nature you know it's like Mm -hmm. uh the whole regenerative agriculture thing is just making sure that they're being moved every day in a small plot of land so basically they eat up all of the grass in that area they stomp it they poop there and then that grass gets to rest because in nature you know bison they're going to be hiding from predators they're going to be all in a tight closed area uh right. you know kind of packed together if you look at like the gazelles in africa you know and they're going to move as a pack constantly so whatever grass they just ate stomped on pooped on they're not going to get back to that for a very long amount of time so if, if you section out your you know land like that and you run cattle like that kind of mimicking nature Um, you know, that, that's what does, uh, what you just described with the woolly mammoth. Now, would it be valid to bring back a woolly mammoth and have the woolly mammoths do that? Sure. Maybe, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's any large ruminant really, uh, will have this, have this effect.
0: So I think it's I just a fantastical idea, you know, like imagine being able to see those in the wild. I mean, I, I know a lot of people haven't traveled to Africa and seen you know the great savannas. My, my father has, and he says, it's, it's quite an impactful experience. Um, you, you mentioned the gas or the, the, the carbon emissions were associated with moving, moving meat. Um, and I saw one of the posts that you had shared was a, a woman who had bought something like a quarter cow or half a cow And just froze a bunch of it. And I was wondering, I'm I'm sure you know it better than I, and I was trying to explore it. How would I go through that process from somebody who just goes to shop right right now to get my foods to actually being able to have, you know, grass-fed or grass-finished beef in a freezer in my basement? Like, what would be the steps to do that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, like, it's you're going to have to either, I mean, depending on your area and the laws and everything else like this, because you'd be surprised how how people are legally strangled by the laws pertaining to, you know, raw milk and private butchering and, you know, private sale of things like this. But, you know, depending on the laws like up in Connecticut, I buy, uh, when I can, I buy from a butcher. That's just like a private butcher that just gets like two cows a week from a local farm, you know, and they've got regenerative agriculture, you know? So, if I wanted to just buy a half of a cow or a full cow or a quarter of a cow from a farmer, I could bring it to them and have them butcher it for me. I, you know, you could butcher it yourself the same as you would do with like a deer if you just got, uh, if you just hunted Um, you know, there's, so there's lots of different options, but I would say generally you'd be wanting to buy straight from the farmer because that's going to give you, you Know the best bang for your buck, so to speak. I mean, it's not okay. something that I do now, um, but it's something I hope to do in the future when I have like my own house and everything else like that. Sure. Uh, yeah, same, you know, that's,
0: that's why I'm interested in exploring the idea.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's just making inroads with farmers, making sure they're you know organic. How do they treat their animals? And you know, if you've been there, you know, they do things right. Uh, you know, you can go ahead and buy a whole cow or a half a cow or whatever. And you save an astronomical amount of money when you do that. I mean, you know, depending on the butchering costs and stuff like that, you're looking at two or three, you know, less than five dollars a pound for you know ribeyes. So
0: it's so what is it half? I guess I don't know what chopper as a as a baseline cost for some decent meat, but yeah. So that's per pound, five dollars per pound roughly. Um, is that is that what you're implying?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, about is it? Yeah, five dollars a pound or so. Uh, I mean, less than five dollars for sure. I mean, I've seen people say five and seen people say two. So, I mean, it's going to depend a lot on you know what you get the cow for and if you do the butchering yourself and things like this. But it's just an example of the way that, like, you know, you getting that cow from local and you getting it in bulk you're saving yourself money, you're saving carbon emissions of getting it transported, you know, whether you get a cow or an avocado from Central America, it's a massive (laughs) amount of uh, carbon emissions to get that to your plate, you know? So it's like, you know, if I have a grass-fed cow that I grabbed from down the street and I drove it back to my house myself, you know, versus the avocado from Central America, what is really does have the bigger carbon footprint you know
0: yeah i mean or or the the burger i mean you get the the cow was raised in texas you know killed in texas it was brought up to kansas where there's you know it's processed and then it's brought up to shop and there's you know big trucks involved and all that versus you know a local piece of property getting the benefits of having an animal a live animal on it you know moving nutrients around nitrogen cycle being you know furthered by having this animal and then it you know dies within miles of where it was uh, raised and then it's eaten only a few miles from that so that sounds pretty reasonable is it because you're in connecticut frequently or is that where you live
1: uh that's i've got an apartment up there for school um okay. just because i mean right now i'm all online but uh for most of the semester like my semester just ended early uh, in person but usually we've got like two to four days in person for most of the semester um, so just when i'm there i'm up there
0: interesting okay you yeah, know i'm just curious as like uh, as people move around especially with nowadays right we got uh, a few different things that will make it difficult to move i know i had plans to travel you know i've only been working for like in an office setting for about two years and i was like ah. Oh, Two years in, I'm going to go and enjoy a summer of, you know, traveling. I'll build up some PTO and, you know, go to Europe or something. And then that kind of got uh, thrown uh, thrown in the gutter and we've been forced to take paid time off and, you know, stuff like that. That It's definitely diff- different. Have you noticed like a lifestyle change that you wouldn't have expected? I'm curious. Something that you would have been like, oh, that doesn't make any sense that that would happen, but it's happening. You because mean just COVID. from COVID? Yeah. Um... Yeah. Like if you imagined what a lifestyle would look like versus what it actually is. I mean, weird question. I know. Sorry.
1: (laughs) I mean, just my own personal thing. uh, I guess, I mean, my life's probably gotten a little bit easier because of it to be completely honest. I mean, I used to be on campus in class from like pretty much eight to three or five, depending on the day, five days a week. So, and then I would, you know, go to the gym and then get home and, do my company stuff so Mm -hmm. i mean going from that to only about half of my classes are live now and the other half are you know they're a recording or a project or something like that so i mean the, the amount of like time of like you know that i can divvy up by myself per week is definitely grown so you know, I mean, you could say it's a good or a bad thing and whether or not these things are impacting learning. And, you know, if we're going to get some (laughs) engineers in a couple of years that are going to build bridges that fall down, maybe, maybe not. But so, I mean, I definitely have more free time because of COVID, uh, you know, so, but we'll, we'll see how that ends up having an impact on, you know, kids and education and things like that.
0: Oh yeah, sure. I know my mom is a teacher and so she, she teaches out of uh, the kitchen right now because it's, it's an interesting situation. She likes, you know, the standing desk experience and she teaches there. So I get to actually see the interactions and, you know, these are sixth grade students, uh, a certain level of maturity and they're, they're flipping their cameras off and she's, you know, she has to deal with logistics issues almost at, just as much as the teaching side of things. And it's uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know if the bridges are going to be falling down in 20 years, but um. <laughs> Uh, we'll definitely see you know some side effects. Um, yeah, but I'm glad you, I, I, I think we're gonna start wrapping up. Um, but I, I mean, I, I enjoyed having uh, having this conversation with you. I, I want to ask one last uh, one last p- t- uh, pointed question, which is like, who is your target customer for whole plant medicine and and then kind of plug your your website and your social media so that we can uh, share it with whoever's gonna watch this, Yeah, for
1: sure. I mean, I would say that. My target customer is just kind of anyone that needs, uh, I guess anyone that needs a little bit of, you know, relaxation or relief from their life, you know, like it's not going to be, you know, CBD certainly isn't morphine, you know, it's not going to take all your ales away, but kind of how I see it is it, it just takes the edge off of so many things that people deal with that is able to just get them to deal with their, to, you know, be themselves in their own life. You know, it takes that edge off. It relaxes you. It lets you be yourself and not carry that burden of the things that so many people are dealing with. So the spectrum is pretty broad, but uh, you know, it, that's, that's generally who tends to be our, our best customers. And I mean, as far as where you can find us wholeplantmedicine.com. Uh, that's where you can place your orders, whole plant medicine, CBD on Instagram and Facebook, all one word. Uh, and that's pretty much where you can find us. I mean, and you're always welcome to reach out either through the website or through the social medias to me, I will, you know, answer you promptly. If you have any other questions about whole plant medicine and, you know, hopefully you try the whole plant difference.
0: Well, that was a good pitch. And uh, I, I really do appreciate having this conversation with you.